Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Mark chapter 16, the book of Mark chapter 16. We continue our study through the New Testament. So, you know, here we are, very eventful chapters that we've had for a while now. The beginning of, you know, several weeks ago, the beginning of Passover week and, and Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a colt. And here we are at the end of Passover week now. And remember last week in chapter 15 and verse 42, where evening had come because it was the preparation day. And verse 42 says that evening had come because it was the preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath, you see. And that's when the body of our Lord was placed in a tomb. The male lamb without blemish, according to the law, male lamb without blemish. And so we begin our study here in Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought, uh, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, see, you know, the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women that we see here. You know, the anointing pre-death. Remember, we saw with the uh, expensive perfume, Mary's expensive perfume, female, the anointing before the death of our Lord, you know, female. And now we see this, you know, what these women want to do, this anointing post-death, also female. The men, where were the men? They were scared. They were scared. And we see that in John chapter 20, verse 19, the men were afraid. And so the women, you know, we see how they were the jumper cables to the men. Just, you remember our study in the book of Judges? Remember Judges and in the book of Judges and remember Deborah, where there was Barak at a, at a time of war and he straight up says, hey, Deborah, I'm not going to fight without you. That's what he says. I'm, you know, yes, Deborah, there's war, but you know what? I'm not going without you. You see, I love it so much because we have these Old Testament examples of things that the New Testament teaches us, the old interpreting the new, the new interpreting old. And with that, we have the full counsel of the word of God. And so here in our study in Mark chapter 16, what we're going to see, we're going to see the men, even with the female jumper cables, the majority of men, the disciples, even still, they had a hard time with belief. And people think that, you know, the courageous and the brave, that it's exclusive to men. And a lot of men pridefully assume that they're brave and they're courageous. But let me tell you about just an observation. An observation of my, I don't have any statistics on this, but it's just an observation. Where I have seen bravery and courage, it's in two places. The first place, it's with a group of highly elite men, fighting men, tip of the spear, first to fight. Men who handle business and they're in the business of war. That's where I've seen bravery and courage. And that's the first place. The second place, outside of that bubble, there's the second bubble. And that bubble has no men. It's all women. All women. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful old women. Some young ones too, but the majority old. And they wear their beautiful wrinkles like battle scars. They've weathered the trials of life and, you know, they have the, the wrinkles and the battle scars to prove it. And even still, they're running their race, enduring the trials. The majority old women, some young ones. Those are the two places where I've seen bravery and courage in its highest, the extremities of bravery and courage in those two places. In one bubble, most men won't go. In the other bubble, all men cannot go. Again, no statistics. It's just an observation of mine. Very important to understand when we look at, you know, like in the book of Judges, we see Barak, a time of war. Hey, Deborah, it's a time of war, but you know what? You know, I'm not going without you. I'm not going without you. It's so beautiful. I remember the, the second census in the book of Numbers? First census, all men. Second census, the inclusion of females. What happened in the first census? They all died. They all died, except for Joshua and Caleb. A type of uh, Jesus Christ and a type of Holy Spirit, Joshua and Caleb. Passage into the promised land for the second generation of Israel. An Old Testament example of you and me, the first generation born into Adam, and then the second generation born again into Christ and passage into the promised land. And we speak of paradise, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You see, very important. I mean, the Bible speaks. 
The Bible teaches and shows us. And so here we are in verse 2. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now, when we look at John and Dr. Luke's account, the gospel according to John and the, doc, the, 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 the gospel according to Luke, you know, we see Dr. Luke and we see in John chapter 20, verse 1 and in Luke 24, verse 1, we see that they left very early in the morning and it was still dark. They left very early, super early. And so here in Mark chapter 16 and verse 2, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So they arrive at the tomb and the sun is rising. You know, while they're journeying, the sun is like slowly rising. They arrive at the tomb and, you know, you can, it's not, you know, fully daylight, but, you know, the sun is rising. Now, I don't want to get off topic here, but something to note. This is after the Sabbath. After the Sabbath. Very important to note because, you know, the Hebrew calendar and, you know, the days and the weeks, they're not Gregorian. You know, the Gregorian days, midnight to midnight, we have our 12 months, we have our, you know, year to year, you know, but the Hebrew days are night to night. You know, the Hebrew week, you know, the, the, the uh, Rishon, Rishon in the Hebrew, it begins on the Gregorian Sunday. And so, you know, on the third day, we know that it is written, Jesus rose on the third day. So what we do is we backtrack. We go, okay, we account for the, 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 the three days, you know. You know, Saturday is day two, Friday is day one. But remember, it is also written in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, that as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so too shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we have accounted for the three days. And now, you know, according to what the Word of God says, we have to account for the three nights. So do we use Sunday night? No, because that's the third day. So we, you know, we take Saturday night, Friday night, and Thursday night. You know what this means? This means that the commonly held tradition, popular tradition, called Good Friday, it's biblically wrong. It's wrong. And that's just one of many, many traditions of men that are completely unbiblical because Good Friday should really be Good Thursday. You might think, well, it's no big deal. You know, I go to church. I'm okay. Good Friday, no big deal. But let me ask you a question. What other traditions and teachings might you currently prescribe to that are not even in the Bible? You see, because if there's one, there might be more. Remember several chapters ago in our study in the book of Mark, the religious establishment, what they were doing, they were teaching as doctrine something that wasn't even in the scriptures. They were teaching it as doctrine. It was a tradition of the elders and, and they were teaching it as doctrine, but it wasn't even in the Bible. And it's the biblical Jesus, the biblical Jesus whose word is above his name. He's the one who says in Mark chapter 7, verse 7, in vain they worship me. In vain they worship me. That's what he says. Those are his words. And that's what tradition of men leads to. The tradition of men, it leads to that. Vain worship. And that's the danger. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, you're going overboard with this Good Friday business. You're going, you're going way too overboard. That's too hardcore. But listen, all I'm saying is this. Since we have proven that Good Friday is biblically wrong, what other things are wrong? You see? What other, you know, is that, that one, oh, I go to church and we do the Good Friday, we do the Good Friday. Okay. Well, that's biblically wrong. Could there be other things that are biblically wrong? Could there be other traditions that are being practiced in the fellowship that are not even in the Bible? You see? And for the religious establishment in the days of Jesus' earthly ministry, he called them on it. He called them on it straight up. In vain they worship me, he says. Understand, we have to be Bereans in these last days. We have to be Bereans. We have to check the scriptures to make sure that what is taught is biblically accurate. And then we also have to test the spirits. To see whether it's from the Lord or not. Because remember, it's Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 that tells us, My people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. That's what the Bible says. 
And just as there was a religious establishment in the days of Jesus' earthly ministry, just as there was a religious establishment in the era of judges, there is a religious establishment in the era of 2023 AD. There is a religious establishment. We have to be Bereans, checking the scriptures, and we have to test the spirits because the last days aren't coming. The last days is straight up here. And another little side note for my Gentile brothers and sisters, before you do a deep dive into, you know, Hebrew timelines and calendars, listen, get yourself to spiritual maturity first. Because what happens, a lot of youthful, youthful believers, what they do is they start studying things that can quickly lead to crazy town. They get into, you know, the Gematria, numerology, then they get into the Apocrypha and, you know, Enoch. And in the course of time, what happens, they leave sound doctrine and they start to follow the false teachers and the false prophets. So, you you know, you might hear this and, you know, wait a minute, you know, the, the Catholics, the Catholics use the Apocrypha and Enoch. But, you know, there you go. Proof is in the pudding. Look how far they are from the biblical Jesus. You see? So get yourself to spiritual maturity first. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do like you know deep dives into Hebrew calendars and Hebrew timelines, get yourself to spiritual maturity first. And we say that to protect you, because a lot of baby Christians they're like so interested in all kinds of different things. And there's nothing wrong with having an interest in these certain areas. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But understand, without maturity, it can be dangerous. You know, baby girl, you say, hey, you know, baby girl wants to, go, you know, go 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 pl play on the freeway. You know, baby girl, you know, you can't, you know, you, baby girl, you got to grow. You have to mature. You get to, you know, to get your driver's permit, driver's license, and then you're a straight up race car driver. And you're, you're not even going to be on the freeway. You're going to be on the straight up racetrack. But early on, you know, baby girl, the road is dangerous for you. Don't play there. You see? When you, you have understanding, you get your learner's permit, you get your driver's permit, you go to the racetrack and, you know, baby girl, you handle business and you can be on, you know, Indianapolis 500. You'd be racing like straight up race cars and you can handle business on the, on the racetrack. But as for now, baby girl, you got to learn. There are certain things you have to learn. And it's the same thing in regard to scripture. Certain things must be learned. Certain things must be understood. And then at the same time, with the maturity you're going to be safe because you're not going to be swept away into crazy town. Christians who get themselves caught up with numerology and then they go from numerology and then they start studying all kinds of different things. Crazy town. So spiritual maturity first. And it's said to protect you. So we continue our study here in Mark 16 and we see these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women here. Mark 16. And we understand that in, you know, also in, in Luke 23 and verse 56, Luke 23, verse 56, that these women, they prepared spices and oil before the Sabbath day of rest so that they could rest on the Sabbath. And I'm not advocating the law in saying this, but remember the hypocrisy we saw on the Sabbath in synagogue with the religious establishment? Remember in the earlier chapters of the, uh, uh, the our study in the book of Mark, where Jesus would go into synagogue and, and preach openly, but then because of the hardness of their heart, all of a sudden he started to speak in parables. Truth started to be withheld from them. But remember, we're in synagogue in the earlier chapters. We're in synagogue. And what is everybody doing here? They should be home. You see? And yet you see here, we fast forward to Mark 16, and we see in Mark 16 that these women, they're not like the blind men. And their observance of the Sabbath is better than that of the religious leaders. And as a, as a little side note, you know, because remember, when, when we consider our studies in Leviticus and Hebrews and uh, Galatians, you know, because of the death of the seed, and we speak of Jesus here, the seed, According to the law, according to uh, uh, the prophets, and according to the epistles, what Brother Paul writes about. Remember when Peter says, you know, Paul knows his stuff. Paul knows his stuff. Because of the death of the seed, what this does, this marks the beginning of the new covenant. Because we see, remember our studies in Hebrews, the, the, de the death of the testator. Study in Hebrews, remember? But then there's something else. 
because we also are at, you know, pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, our Sabbath, our Sabbath is true rest. But at the same time, understand that it's abiding in Christ. Because we don't observe the Sabbath according to the flesh. But we absolutely observe the Sabbath according to the Spirit. You see? And that's you and me together abiding in the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's Jesus, Son of the Most High God. That's what we studied, we looked at in Mark chapter 2. And so here in Mark 16, it's super, super early in the morning. The women, they arrive at the tomb. They left. They left. It was dark. And they arrive at the tomb. You know, the sun is rising. And the women knew which tomb because they did their recon. Remember in last week when we look at Mark 15 and verse, verse 47, you know, they did their recon. Now, consider the fear factor. Consider the fear factor where you have the religious establishment, you have the political establishment, you have the Roman soldiers and Jesus. Remember, Jesus, he's just been killed. He just died on the cross and he's in the tomb. His body is in the tomb. And then, you know, there's also uh, uh, guards posted at the tomb. And when we look at all the Gospels, you know, in chronological order, you see that uh, the religious establishment, they post guards at the tomb. And all the male disciples, they're indoors. They're scared. Hey, it's understandable. Because the leader of this movement has been crucified. The leader of, you know, when Jesus coming and riding on a, on a donkey on the colt. And all of a sudden, the people were shouting, you know, Hosanna, 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 save now, save now, save now. And what they thought was that Jesus was going to restore Israel. And don't get me wrong, Jesus will absolutely restore Israel. But the Lord does not save with sword or spear. Remember our study in 1 Samuel? The Lord does not save with sword or spear. You see? The salvation that comes first is that Remember in the Old Testament? Hey, we got to be clean. Remember the Old Testament? Let's get you cleaned up. Everybody's got to be clean. And with cleanliness, you have effectuation. That's why the first generation in the book of Numbers, they died. Second generation, clean before the Lord. They have passage into the promised land. But do they stay clean? Do they have Sabbath? They observe the Sabbath, but do they have Sabbath? You see? These are the loopholes that, you know, are, are, that, are, are, that we look at in the book of Hebrews. Yes, the law was created with loopholes. Why? Because there's a better law, and it's the law of Christ. And our Sabbath, according to the new covenant, is in Christ. Very important to understand. It's completely understandable that the men are scared here because Jesus has been killed, crucified. Completely understandable. And yet we see these brave and courageous women. And they're out doing recon. I love it so much. And so it's after Sabbath now. Very early in the morning. The women arrive at the tomb. And here we are in verse 3. And they said among themselves. Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? I love this. This is so beautiful. I love this so much because, you know, people often associate bravery and courage and toughness, toughness. They associate these things to a physical strength. Oh, I'm tough. I got the big muscles. I got the big legs. You know, I can, I can, you know, lift up a car and they associate toughness to physical strength. But we cannot do that. We cannot do that. Remember our study in, in, in 1 Samuel? You look at the war fighters of Israel. And who is it that straight up smote Goliath? It was the young one, David. Not with sword, not with spear. Remember Jesus when, you know, regarding the kingdom of heaven, Jesus didn't say, you know, the kids need to be like the adults. No, it's the other way around. He tells the adults, hey, the adults need to be like the kids, you see? And I love it so much because we see this bravery and courage and the toughness in these beautiful, beautiful women. We see it. The men were scaredy cats and they're indoors. They're kind of in, you know, hiding. But the women were straight up, hey, you know, I'm going to the tomb. And we see their toughness. 
but it's not physical because we see verse three, who's gonna, who, who, will, roll, who, who will, will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And in verse four, we see in verse four, but when they looked up, now let's just pause here for a moment. When they looked up, and I'm so in love with Mark because Brother Mark, he gives us cliff notes, a short synopsis. But when we look at the Gospels together, we see something pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Because, you know, when we look at the, the, putting the Gospels together, we see that there was a great earthquake. And in the great earthquake, it's two angels that appeared descending from heaven. One's countenance is like lightning. And you might wonder, you know, you know, why is this event so choppy in the gospel accounts? Why is it that Matthew writes one way, Mark writes another way, Dr. Luke writes another way, and John writes another way? Why is that? Well, remember, the Lord doesn't create robots. He doesn't make us as robots. And so the Spirit moves and works in each. The same way the Spirit works in you, you know, and the Spirit works in us. But at the same time, what is the manifestation of that? Remember the body caring for the body and how the spirit gives, you know, the spirit is going to gift one person with prophecy. Then the spirit is, you know, gives another person with interpretation. Then the spirit gives another person with healing. And it's so beautiful to see the body caring for the body. And at the same time, the Lord, we know that the Lord doesn't make robots. And so, yes, the gospel accounts have variations, but when you put it all together, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful to see. And don't forget, Brother John says, you know, there could be tons more. You know, there, there's, there's not enough paper in the whole world to write the things that Jesus did. So, you know, we have a fraction of the things that the Lord did. I love that so much. And so we remember that the men here, they're hiding. They're scaredy cats. And here at this moment, at this particular juncture in Mark 16, verse 4, we see that the women, they looked up. But at this particular juncture, very early in the morning at sunrise, we're at the tomb and it's all female. And we look at the Gospels in order and we see that, yes, John, the writer of the Gospel of John, he does arrive on scene, but not yet. Not yet. Not at this first experience at the tomb. It's the women. The women are the first ones. And the women, they're the ones who later report the events to the gospel writers, who in turn, they record the sequence of events. And so for us, we piece it together. We piece it all together. And we see that the angels, they descend and there's a great earthquake. And the religious establishment, they had posted guards at the tomb. And then, then, you know, the, when they see, you know, one of the angels and, you know, this is how Matthew records it. When, when the, 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 the guards that were posted there, they see one of the angels, they became like dead men. How it translates, they fainted. They straight up passed out. Now, I'm going to inject my thoughts here. I'll tell you what I suspect happened here. The women... They arrive at the tomb with their spices and oils. That's what we see in Mark 16, verse 1 and 2. They arrive at the tomb. They have their spices. They have their oils. But at the same time, we get to verse 3, and the tomb has a huge stone. Who's going to move it for us, they say. And then we see in verse 4, but when they looked up. And I'm going to tell you what I suspect. I suspect that these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women, recon team, the men were scaredy cats. They were hiding. And I suspect that these beautiful women were praying, praying. They come to anoint our Lord. They arrive. You know, we see the guards, we see the closed tomb, we see the big stone, and the women are stopped in their tracks. And, you know, at the same time, you know, do they go back home and they, do, do, do the women figure, well, you know, we tried, at least we tried. No. They see, oh my goodness, the stone is here. And I suspect that they were praying. Because Brother Mark says they looked up. Why were their heads bowed down? You see, why were their heads bowed down? And I suspect that they were praying, these beautiful women, the recon team. Who's going who's gonna to move this stone for us? Who's going to move this stone for us? And then they bow their heads and they pray. Look how Mark puts it in verse 4. But when they looked up, 
They saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. I mean, you know, you see what I'm talking about when we say Mark has, you know, like cliff notes, the short synopsis, because, you know, a lot happens here. When you look at all the Gospels, you unpackage, you put it in order. A lot happens here. But Mark's account, I love it so much. I'm so in love with Mark. Because, you know, you know, in verse four, you know, there's so many, you know, the earthquake, the guards are there, they pass out, the stone is moved, the angel, you know, the angel, like, you know, like lightning. And then you see Mark in, in verse four. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. You see what I'm talking about with cliff notes? The short synopsis. And a lot of people think that it was one angel who was on the outside of the tomb. And then the same angel on the inside of the tomb. But in, in Luke 24, verse 23, we see that there's the plurality of angels. And so look what happens here in Mark 16. The women arrive. They have their spices, their oils. They arrive. They, they, they leave when it's dark outside very, very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. Sabbath is over. And then so they leave. By the time they arrive at the, at the tomb, the sun is rising. And they see, oh my goodness, the stone is there. Who's going to move it for us? And then, you know, when they looked up, so I suspect they were praying, you know, and, you know, because, you know, why were their heads down? Why were their heads bowed down? They look up and boom, you know, the stone is removed. You look at the accounts of the gospels, you know, there's a, the angels are there. And the, the guard, the, the, the guards have passed out. And so look what happens here in Mark 16, verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them in verse 6, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? See the place where they laid him. I mean, the angel is straight up sitting there on the right side. And this is where his body was. And, and the angel says, see the place where they laid him. He's not here. He's risen. Remember, the tomb, you know, was sealed under guard. And the guards, they passed out when they saw the angels. That's how we see in, in the account of, uh, of Matthew. They straight up passed out. And then the angel speaks. In verse 7, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. So beautiful what we see here. Remember Peter several chapters ago where Peter says to Jesus, I will never deny you. And then the Lord says, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And here we are in the aftermath of those series of events. And Peter, he did deny Jesus exactly as the Lord told him. And the last time he did it, you know, the first time, you know, I don't know that man. And then the second time he was like indignant. I do not know that man. And then the last time, the third time, he used expletives. I do not know him, but he used expl expletives. And then we see in the account that Peter wept bitterly. And having denied Jesus, weeping bitterly, the pain and sorrow in thinking, what have I done? What have I done? And then you have this angel of the Lord here in verse 7 says to the women, the beautiful recon team, beautiful, tough women, brave women, courageous women. And the angel tells them, tell the disciples. And then he mentions Peter by name. You see, so beautiful. Go tell the disciples and Peter that he, speaking of Jesus, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now remember, these things that are happening, they've been told to the disciples on multiple occasions. We've already seen it in our study in the book of Mark. He told them what was going to happen. He told them we're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered and, you know, and, and killed delivered into the hands of the captors and killed. And here we are in the aftermath of the very things that Jesus says, but we see they forgot. They forgot. And then the angel of the Lord is speaking to these beautiful women that Jesus, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you, as he said to you. 
And these instructions, they're being given to the women about what to do and where to go. What to do and where to go. These instructions are being given to the women. And most men today, they would dismiss this. They would dismiss it. Oh, we're the men, we're the leaders, we have headship, we have authority. Now, don't forget, covering of overseer is always male. Very specific formula. And submission is a good thing when the formula is right. And then we see the covering of husband, always male. Again, very specific formula. And submission is good when the formula is right. But understand that all of us, male and female, remember in Christ, there is no male, female. And so all of us, we are all in submission to the head pastor. And that's Jesus, the better husband, the bridegroom of the wise virgins. See, the foolish virgins, they call him bridegroom. When we look at the, 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 the parable that Jesus spoke of, the foolish virgins, they do call Jesus the bridegroom. And that seems to be a good thing. It sure sounds good. But is there effectuation of marriage for the foolish virgin? Not at all. You see, why is that? Very important to understand. I mean, you look at the state of the church today where apostasy is rampant and it's only going to get worse, much worse. Let's not forget that it's predominantly under the leadership and the overseeing of men, males. You see? Does that mean, you know, am I saying, you know, okay, let's switch to female pastors then? Listen, not at all. Not at all. The covering is still male. But we must understand formula so that we know, you and me, we can know that who is qualified and who is disqualified, who's got the full package. These are things that must be understood because Perilous times are not coming. Perilous times are already here. And apostasy, it is not coming. It's already here. We have to understand what the Word of God teaches as Bereans, testing the spirits and understanding what a holy formula looks like. For you and me individually, for you and me corporately in fellowship and for you and me and understanding what the body of Christ, what the body of the remnant looks like. We're talking straight up Philadelphia. So in verse eight, the women, what do we see? We see obedience. So they quickly went, so they quickly went out. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. So beautiful. You know, they didn't start posting on social media. They didn't go on, you know, social media. Oh, yeah, everybody, we saw the angels. We saw this, you know, you know, hashtag blessed, like, and subscribe. We don't see that. And we see in the other gospel accounts that the male disciples, they thought the women were crazy. They thought the women, when they came back and reported, hey, you know, the, the, the tomb, it's empty. You know, Jesus, our Lord, he's not there. When they came and reported to the men, they thought that the, the men, they thought that the women spoke idle tales and nonsensical things. And the men did not believe the women. And we see that in Luke's account, Dr. Luke in Luke 24, verse 11. The men thought the women were crazy. Oh, that's fairy tales. This is nonsense. And we also see that it was Peter and John. They hear the report from the women about the empty tomb and they straight up run there and they confirm. They run to the empty tomb and they confirm, yes, it is in fact an empty tomb. But then everyone returns home again. That's what we see when we put the Gospels together. That's what happens. But then something else happens. But before we continue, there's something that must be said here. How Older manuscripts do not have the rest of the book of Mark here. They end at verse 8. In some of the more ancient texts, they end here at verse 8. And there is debate among so-called scholars, you know, as to the, the, the rest of, you know, the, Mark chapter 16. And they say, they debate, well, it's inaccurate. They say, well, it's wrong. It's inaccurate. So what we do, we're going to line things up with the, another gospel account. That's what we're going to do here. 
I do, you know, me personally, I do have my theory on what happened and it fits quite nicely, but we'll continue with the text. And so here we see that in verse eight, that, you know, they went the obedience of these beautiful women, brave, courageous, and tough women, not physical toughness, but definitely tough. They went up quickly in verse eight and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone for they were, they were afraid. We look at the other gospel accounts, they come to report, and the men thought they were crazy. The men thought they spoke fairy tales and idle tales and nonsensical things. You're speaking nonsense. You're speaking nonsense. Very important to understand that the men, they were scaredy cats. But even the men, they have problem with belief. The disciples, even the disciples... And we see in verse 9, Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now, you picture Mary, this Mary. There's several Marys, but this Mary, Mary Magdalene. You picture this Mary before her encounter with Jesus. Before, you know, before she even met Jesus. You picture that life, the life of Mary. Seven, you know, seven demons, probably quite disturbed and very distressed. The evidence to prove seven demons. And all that changed when she met Jesus. All of it changed. She believes in Jesus. She's free in Jesus, freed by Jesus. She's no longer who she was. Beautiful, beautiful Mary Magdalene. Now, we're going to look at another account. Turn with me really quick to the book of John. The book of John, chapter 20. John 20. And so we see here in John chapter 20, verse 8. John chapter 20, verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. And so what this is, this is John and Peter. They confirmed the report of the women. So the women, the, the recon team, the tough women, the brave, courageous women, you know, the angel says, go and tell the disciples, you know, Jesus, he's going before you to Galilee and he will, he will meet you just as he said, just as he said he would, just as he said he would. And so the women do exactly that. They go to the disciples. Hey, you know, the tomb is empty. We saw the angels. They give the report. And the disciples, you know, they were scaredy cats. They were, you know, in hiding. And they thought the women were crazy. They thought they, they were straight up looney tunes. You guys, you've lost your mind. You're crazy. You women, you're crazy. You're, you know, this, this idol, it's, it's all, you know, nonsensical things. And it's Peter and John. They run to the tomb. You know, is this, is this really true? Is this really true? They run to the tomb and they confirm the report of the women. And they absolutely see, yep, the tomb is empty. Exactly like the women said. And so here in John chapter 20, verse 8, you know, this is, we're, you know, we're, we're at the, the, the second time at the tomb. The first time at the tomb, it was the women where the angel says, hey, go and tell the disciples. You know, and now we're at the second time at the tomb where, you know, Jesus and Peter, or, 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 or John and Peter, they run to the tomb with the women and they do confirm that, yep, it's empty. The tomb is empty. And so we see in verse nine here, John chapter 20, verse nine. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now, remember, Jesus told them already. He told them already. You know, we're going into Jerusalem, guys. We're going into Jerusalem, and, you know, the Son of Man will be delivered up to his captors, and he will be killed, but on the third day, he will rise again. These are things that he told them multiple times on multiple occasions at different intervals. He told them, but they forgot. And the women were reminded by the angels, hey, he's risen. He is not here. Remember, the angels spoke that way. He is risen. He's not here. And so the empty tomb here, now, you know, it's, it's confirmed by eyes. John and Peter, you know, they're with the disciples in the room. The women come, you know, the women come, you know, the, 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 the beautiful, brave, courageous, the tough women. 
the recon team. They come back and they give the report, and everybody says, "You guys are crazy. You've lost your mind. You women, you're, you, you know, you're speaking fairy tales." And John and Peter run out, and they confirm, "Yep, they confirm with their eyes." Yeah, it's empty. It's just as they said. It's just as the women reported. Let me look at verse 10 here. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. It's completely understandable. Completely understandable. I mean, so now we have visual confirmation. The tomb is empty. But why not believe when the women first reported? When that first group of women, when they came back to the disciples, the angels told, the, the angel says, hey, go to the disciples and tell them. Why is it that their report was not believed? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's dangerous to wrongly believe a report. But remember, these aren't run-of-the-mill women. These are women who've been w- walking with them. They've been walking together with Jesus. And we look at the formula inside of them. Wow, how brave and courageous they are. When the men were scaredy cats and hiding indoors. Listen, these beautiful women, this recon team, these these women, they're not like the average Jane. Why is it that they were not believed by the disciples? By and large, the majority. Why is it that they were not believed? You see? They're followers of Jesus too. We we see something else in the mix. We see their bravery. We see their courageous. We see their tough. And their toughness isn't physical. Because, you know, who's going to move this stone for us? Who's going to move this this, this big stone for us? But you definitely see a toughness. Very beautiful formula in these women. And it's the women who were given instructions to tell the disciples. Remember where Peter was specifically named to? And so here we are, we see in verse 10, everybody, they just go back home, except for one. One remains. And we look at verse 11, but Mary, beautiful, beautiful Mary, freed by Jesus, seven demons were cast out. Everybody leaves the tomb, but not her. Just consider for a moment this beautiful, beautiful, and gorgeous heart of Mary. I mean, she knows the life she lived. She's fully aware. You know, before she knew Christ, before she came to Jesus, before she believed in Jesus, before she was freed in Jesus and by Jesus, she knows the life she lived. She's fully aware of that torment. She lived it. And so we see here all the disciples, you know, Peter and John, they confirm, yep, it's empty. All the disciples, they go home. And at this tomb, there's one remaining. And it's Mary. Her love for Jesus. You know, it's palpable. You could almost cut it in the knife in the air around her. You could almost cut it with a knife. Wow, her love for the Lord. It's powerful. Because everybody left. But for Mary, she's straight up, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I mean, consider the counsel of, uh, you know, other people. Hey, Mary, it's dangerous out here. Come on, you know, we're going to go back home. Come on, let's get out of here. It's dangerous here. The priests might catch you. The guards might come back. The Romans might come. They might kill you just like they did to our Lord Jesus. And Mary's just straight up, hey, that's nice. That's nice. I don't care. I don't want to leave. I wonder what today's man might have said to Mary. Oh, Mary, you're too sensitive, Mary. Come on, Mary, let's get out of here. You're too sensitive. Why are you so sensitive, Mary? But you see, Mary's got a a beautiful toughness about her. She doesn't want to leave. We see in verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting. One at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. I do not know. 
Now understand, you know, today in 2023 AD, we're so spoiled. We're so spoiled because we hear and read that he is risen and we know it. I mean, you know, there's even like, you know, uh, movies, there's been movies made about, you know, he is, we, we know what, what, what the Bible says and we know, you know, a little comment on movies, you know, be very careful with movies because, you know, 98% of movies are biblically inaccurate. But, you know, today we're so spoiled because we have the full counsel of the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. There's been, you know, movie productions about certain events in the Bible. And, you know, we're so spoiled now. But for the generation that it happened in, for that generation, when Jesus said, you know, I will rise again, I will rise again, he said it multiple times on multiple occasions at multiple intervals. And when the angels say he is risen, What does that look like? What does the actual manifestation of that look like? I mean, like, put yourself at this particular juncture in real time and erase everything you you know about He is risen. Everything you know about He is risen, erase. And put yourself here in the garden at the tomb. It's empty. What? What would the manifestation of he is risen look like? And so Mary, when the angels say, why are you weeping? She knows that he is risen, but today we're spoiled. She knows that he is risen, but what does that look like? What does the actual manifestation of that look like? And so she responds, they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. I mean, we're so spoiled now, but back then, back in the day when it's happening in real time, what does he is risen look like? We have to have proper perspective here. And Mary is weeping. She tells the angel, hey, this is why I'm weeping. Everyone is left, but I don't want to leave. I know it's dangerous. I don't want to leave. I don't know where my Lord is, but I want to be with him. Look at this beautiful heart. Look at this gorgeous heart. In verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. So she, she sees a man. She sees a man and unbeknownst to her, it's our Lord. And Jesus, in verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And we see that she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I mean, what woman speaks like this? What woman speaks like this? Straight up, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I'm weeping. I don't know where my Lord is, but I want to be with him. I was here earlier to anoint him. It's just me here now. It's straight up. It's just me all alone. And if it's just me, then so be it. Tell me where my Lord is and I will take him away. Sure, the the priests might have me killed, the guards, the Romans, but I don't care. Tell me where my Lord is and I will take him away. I'm so in love with Mary. You see how beautiful and gorgeous her heart is? In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. Now remember, she thought he was the gardener. But consider Mary at this particular juncture, thinking he's the gardener. What gardener knows my name? What gardener knows my name? And consider all the times that Mary has heard Jesus speak her name. And now she's alone at the empty tomb. The angels inquire. This gardener inquires. And Mary answers, tell tell me where my Lord is and I will take him away. Remember, she doesn't have a physical toughness to her. You know, they're at the stone and they see the stone. They arrive for the first time at the, at the, at the garden, at the tomb. And, you know, who's going to move this stone for us? 
She doesn't have a physical toughness. But with eyes to see, you can see a beautiful toughness. This gorgeous, beautiful heart of hers. Tell me where my Lord is and I will take him away. And then she hears the nuance. You consider all the times that Jesus has said her name and she hears the nuance of a familiar tongue, a familiar voice, a familiar dialecta. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Just picture this beautiful reunion. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. To say beautiful, that's a major understatement. Major understatement. Everybody left. Everybody went back home. Everybody's gone. And there Mary is. And we see this beautiful, beautiful reunion. And what Mary does, she grabs onto Jesus. She holds Jesus. And I love it. And then what Jesus says to her, it seems kind of odd. It seems kind of odd, but in the grand scope of what is happening, it is glorious. In verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. And yes, it does seem odd. Do not cling to me. It seems like an odd thing to say. But, you know, Mary, remember, she's she's just freshly realizes, you know, this gardener is no gardener. She realizes this is Jesus. And she shouts, Rabboni, teacher. And she clings to him. And cling here in the Greek is to touch, attach, to fasten to, and to set on fire and kindle. And, you know, that sounds odd, you know, to set on fire. What does that mean? But to set on fire, it's to inflame. Kind of like, you know, picture a candle that is lit. A candle that is lit and then picture another candle that is not lit. And then the unlit candle attaches to the lit candle where there's no gaps. The, 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 candle are, the candles, are, the, the two are touching, no gaps. Candle alongside candle. And then wick to wick. Wick to wick. Just like cheek to cheek will say. Wick to wick. The unlit candle will light up with a flame. Why? Because it's wick to wick with the candle that has the flame. And then Jesus says to her, you know, Mary, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, it's not a don't do that ever. You know, don't you ever do that. No, it's not like that at all. But he does say don't do that as, like, not yet. Don't do that, but, you know, don't do that yet. Because a little bit later on the timeline in the book of Acts, what we're going to see in the book of Acts, we're going to see cheek to cheek. We're going to see wick to wick. And that happens with tongues of fire. And our studies in the book of Acts, they're archived. Thewayunderground.com. They're archived. And so Jesus tells Mary, hey, Mary, don't do that. But it's not, you know, don't do that ever. It's a, you know, don't do that yet. And so we see here how, you know, in, G- in verse 17, Jesus said to her, don't cl- uh, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. So powerful. Because what happens in John 14, verse 25, Jesus says in John 14, verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This is what Jesus says to the disciples. I mean, when you consider the forgetfulness of the disciples, completely understandable during very, very perilous moments, the evening of, you know, the the, the preparation day and Jesus being captured at the Garden of Gethsemane. They're completely understandable for them to forget. But we see in John 14, verse 25 and 26, that the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. Jesus told them these things. And the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. We also see in John chapter 15, verse 26, 
that but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is something that will happen with the disciples. You know, the disciples, they're going to soon become apostles. It's going to happen. Where as disciples, you know, they're in the student phase. They're learning and learning and learning and learning. Kind of like, you know, sponging, you know, the sponges, you know, soaking it all up. Everything that Jesus spoke of, you know, they're, you know, they're learning and learning. And then, you know, in in the book of Acts, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then disciples become messengers. Messengers of the good news. Workers in the field of God. Remember our study in 1 Corinthians? Where Paul says, you are the field. We are the workers. These are distinctions that have to be made. And so when Mary, when Mary clings to Jesus, he doesn't shun her and reject her. You know, Mary, don't ever do that. No, he doesn't do that. Not at all. But it's a not yet. You know, Mary, not yet. There's other things that have to happen. There's still more things that have to happen. And when I think of this beautiful woman, Mary Magdalene, she had seven demons. And then she met Jesus. Remember, here at the empty tomb, everybody, they went back home. I mean, initially, they, they were all scaredy cats. And you see, there's that fear factor even still. Everybody goes back home. Come on, Mary. It's, it's dangerous to be here, Mary. The, the religious establishment, you know, the, 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 the priests, they might find you. Let's get out of here. And Mary's just straight up, I don't care. That's nice. Very dangerous to be associated to Jesus. Life-threatening. They killed him. And Mary told who she thought was the gardener, tell me where our Lord is. Tell me, tell, me, tell me where my Lord is. I'll carry him. I mean, who speaks like this? And like, remember our study in 1 Samuel with little David? Young David? Who speaks like this for all that time? Who in Israel, who speaks like this? And when she clings to Jesus, this beautiful, beautiful woman, gorgeous heart, she clings to Jesus and holds on to him. Now, for me, I don't think she would have, I don't think she would have let go. Ever. She'll get old and gray and still clinging to Jesus. And so he has to tell her, you know, not yet, Mary, not yet. So beautiful. And when we consider, when we consider the works of the apostles, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful men of God, when we consider their works, let us never, ever, ever forget the female jumper cables. Beautiful women of God, fearless, straight up warriors, brave, courageous, and tough. Very important to understand because the men were scaredy cats. The first recon team, the, the female recon team, they come back and they report, hey, you know, guys, the tomb is empty, guys, the tomb is They thought the women were crazy. You see? The women, they, they have their spices and oils to anoint Jesus. And then we have the second time in the garden, the second time with the, at the empty tomb. And everybody returns back home. Come on, Mary, let's get out of here. It's dangerous. Come on, Mary, you know, you might be seen, they might be spotted, you know. And, you know, Peter, like, you know, hey, when, 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 when they caught me and they said like, hey, I saw, I saw you with him. You know, I saw you with him. It was dangerous. That's when Peter denied him. Peter's like, you know, hey, let's get out of here. But no, not with Mary. Tell me where my Lord is, I'll take him. And then she realized, hey, this gardener is no gardener. This is my Lord. Mary Magdalene, all alone. But then we see she's not alone. We see these beautiful, beautiful women as messengers where the angel says, go tell the disciples. And Jesus says, go tell the disciples. We see in verse 18, 
Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So beautiful. So beautiful. We see obedience. The Lord says, go tell the disciples. You know, okay, Lord. Obedience. Now let's go back to Mark 16. In Mark 16. Mark 16 about Mary Magdalene. She went, in verse 10, Mark 16, verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So everybody went back home. You know, remember what's happening. Peter and John, they heard the report from the first set of jumper cables, the beautiful women, messengers of the Lord, that the first set of jumper cables, they come back from their recon mission and they come back where, you know, the brave, they were tough, they were courageous. They come back and, you know, they say, hey guys, you know, the tomb is empty. We saw the angel, there was the earthquake. We saw the angels, the guards, they were passed out. And they thought, the men thought they were crazy. And then it was Peter and John. They go and they confirm like, yep, the, the, the tomb is empty. Then everybody returns. Everybody goes back home. But then there's the second jumper cable. Beautiful woman. And that's Mary. Messenger of the Lord. And look what happens with the disciples in verse 11. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Wow. Remember they thought, that with the first set of jumper cables, they thought, hey, you guys are crazy. And now with the second jumper cable, they still did not believe. After that, in verse 12, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Wow. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So we see here a little chastisement. After, you know, all the disciples had heard and witnessed and done and experienced, after all that has happened, all that has happened from, you remember in Mark chapter 1, the very beginning, after all that they've walking with Jesus, everything that he said, everything that they experienced, and they still have a problem with belief. And we see a little chastisement from the Lord. In verse 14, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him. Now, it's interesting to note that this difficulty with belief, the female jumper cables, they didn't have that problem. Very interesting. They didn't, the, the women, the tough, the brave, the courageous women, they didn't have that problem. And who saw Jesus first? Who saw the angels first? It was the women. You see? So now here we are. We're at the table with the 11. And Jesus has just rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. And more happens, you know, as recorded in the other gospel writers. You know, things that, you know, Lord willing, perhaps we can touch on down the road. More happens. Remember the very beginning of our studies in the book of Mark? In Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1 where we see the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning. Well, we see that this work of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus, it continues. And it's through his friends. Remember Jesus says, you know, he's, you know, you guys are servants, but then down the road, you know, you, no longer do I call you servants because, you know, I call you friends now because friends don't wonder what the master is doing. And so this work of the Lord, it continues, but it's through his friends. And in verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. If you're listening, if you're listening and you presently do not believe, I have a question for you. Why not? Why not? Because through the past several weeks and even the past months and even the past years, 
we've presented our case. God's love. God's love for you. What say you? Straight up, what say you? Because in God's love for you, he made a way. And it's Jesus, his only begotten son. He is the ark of our time. As in the days of Noah. Another question I have for you. Would you like to enter? Do you believe? And if the answer is yes, at the, begin- at the end of this message, listen to another message. It's called, How to Commit Your Life to Jesus. And you know what you do? You enter the ark. Let's continue our studies to the book of Mark. Close our studies to the book of Mark. In verse 17, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak new tongues. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So beautiful. And so we look at, so what happens with this first generation of messengers when the disciples become apostles? What happens? These are things that we see in the book of Acts. Everything is archived for you. It's there. We see obedience unto the master. In verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of through the accompanying signs. Amen. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.